Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. Approximately two months ago, my guest today and I connected on LinkedIn, and I was introduced to a fantastic idea, a much-needed resource within the trans community, or should I say, the larger 2S LGBTQIA community. Devin Grayson is that individual I connected with, and I'm thrilled to have them on today's episode to talk about Trans Rally. From the Trans Rally website, the information says, Trans Rally was founded in May of 2022. Trans Rally is a membership organization that connects transgender professionals and allies in order to support each other through mutual aid. This may take the form of job training, mock interviews, or other job referrals. It also provides a platform for organizations to source talent from the community. Devin themselves has left the financial industry behind them to start this project, and I'm definitely curious to learn more about this. Today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, we talked to Devin Grayson about Trans Rally as well as their own journey and how they have gotten to this point in their life today. Before I bring Devin to your listening ears or your screen, Tales of the 2S LGBTQ Plus is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the remarkable people that are found within our community. By listening to our stories, we gain insight, understanding, and connection. Let's continue to connect as we become smitten with amazing people. If you're listening to us on the audio platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, welcome. I hope you enjoy the content of not only this episode, but of previous episodes. We're approximately 55 episodes in and we've been able to bring you these remarkable people who are living the greatest stories that have never been put into print, their own stories. If you're on those audio platforms, or if you're watching us here on YouTube today, be sure to hit subscribe. This helps us in so many different ways. You'll receive notification when the next person to become smitten with is ready for you to listen to. I am based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It is important for me to say that as I would like to acknowledge that I'm living within Treaty 6 territory and within the Métis homelands and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 4. This is a traditional meeting ground, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Sado, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge all of the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these territories for centuries, I am, of course, grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today and those who have gone before us. I continue to open myself up to listen, to learn, and to understand, and I hope you join me on this journey as we learn the truth. I make this acknowledgement as an act of reconciliation and gratitude to those on whose territory we reside. Today, on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, I'm quite excited to be able to introduce you to Devin Grayson and their story. Trans Rally, leaving the financial world behind and getting to this point today. 
So without further ado, let's bring Devin up to your screen. Hello, welcome to this podcast, Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Nice to meet you too. Well, Devin, I have to say first that if we were alive 60, 70 years ago, I would hope that you would go into the movie business. The words like Clark Gable comes to mind because, Devin, your name, Devin Grayson, is a perfect actor's name back in the old school MGM world. I was talking to a friend about this and they asked me your name and it was Devin Grayson. It was like, wow, that sounds like a Greta Garbo starring role <laughs> with. So Devin, congrats on having a great name, first of all. Thank you. I chose it myself. No. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned, I actually, I didn't choose, I didn't choose it myself. It was just my birth name. But it's funny that you say that because there is a, a funny joke where, so my name is Devin Michael Grayson. Someone with three names, three first names for their name has to be a serial killer. So I haven't killed anybody yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but actually we're hyphenating our name. I actually just got married on uh, in May 20th. So my name is now Devin Grayson Shirk. So we've hyphenated with my lovely wife, Ella. Well, congratulations. Thank That's you. wonderful. Well, we're going to have to talk about that as well. It's been an interesting number of months for yourself. You definitely are not playing it safe here in 2022, whether you're getting married, leaving the financial world behind, creating trans rally yourself in your own journey. Why now? Why is it important for you to be your authentic self today? Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons and I can get to, you know, what trans rally does in just a second, but there are three major things that galvanized me, I would say, aside from the fact that I'm going through a period of self-discovery in my life. So the last 12 months or so, I've realized that I'm transgender. I'm AMAP, assigned male at birth, and I'm going through a hormone replacement therapy. I just celebrated my third month in yesterday. So alongside that, I've realized that I was not quite living the authentic life that I wanted to. But there were three specific reasons that pushed me to do trans rally. The first of which, I live in the States, I live in Chicago. And I mean, I'm sure a lot, you and a lot of your listeners know that there's a lot of things happening politically in the United States that are anti-LGBTQ, specifically anti-trans, but also other rights are at risk too in this country. But the first thing that really prompted me to do something, anything, was it'll sound a little dumb, but it was a Reddit comment that said something like, on January 7th of 2025, it is likely or possible, but in my opinion, likely that the Republican party will refuse to sit a democratically elected president if a Democrat wins. On that day, will you continue to go to work and act like nothing happened? Or will you stand up and fight? And if so, what will you do? And I didn't want to look back at myself two years from now and see that I could have done something I didn't. So that was the future speaking to me. The second thing that prompted me was the leaking of the Roe v. Wade decision overturning Christian rights for people who are of childbearing status in the United States. So that to me said things are happening right now, not two years from now. 
And the third thing that galvanized me that was, this was the most important, this was what caused me to quit my job and focus on this, was I came upon the story of someone named Devin, who was born male and who was transitioning to a more feminine appearance, at least. Their pronouns are they, them, and she, her. And they live in a small town in southern Georgia called Moultrie. And it turns out that about two years ago, Devin had passed away in an accident, a drowning accident. And just by happenstance, Facebook, I guess, is my preferred social media due to Facebook's group feature, because you can join groups for whatever you'd like, really. There's one, for example, called Big Goblin Energy where people like to share different things that they find, like collections and stuff. But someone had just commented a reply to a post that I made in one of my transgender groups saying, hello, comrade, come join us. And they were named Devin. And there was a group called the Council of Devs. And it's just a group full of Devins. And I was like, this is amazing. Of course I'll join. And so I joined that. And my idea was I'm going to fill this group with a ton of Devins that are cool. So I searched for Devin in one of the transgender groups that I'm in. And then I came across Dev McGee. And this is the person who passed away two years ago. So from an outsider's perspective, I didn't understand the circumstances surrounding their death. But it stated that Dev passed away at their home. And I assumed it was a suicide was the reason that they passed away. But it was actually it was an accident, a pool accident. But that was the third thing that really galvanized me because this happened two years ago. And I thought the circumstances were different, but it ended up being that I actually spoke to Dev's mother yesterday of all, of all days to get the story of Dev and of their legacy, essentially. And it's empowering. And it gave me a lot of hope, too. You mentioned talking to Dev's mom and empowering you. Mm -hmm. So how, how does their story empower you besides sharing the same first name? So part of the issue that exists in society today. So a 2015 survey states that 29% of transgender people surveyed in the United States live in poverty. 30% have been homeless at some point in their lives. And that the unemployment rate is 15%, which at the time is three times the national average. And 30% who are employed reported having been fired, denied a promotion, or been mistreated. And it's gotten worse since people who are transgender have sort of have a spotlight on the community for political reasons. But the reason that it was empowering is due to the fact that Devin struggled with issues of employment, which in my belief was a contributing factor that led to their death. So they had been experiencing transient employment over a period of a few years before they passed away. And you know, turned to different things that would alleviate the, those struggles, at least in the short term. And I'm not, I guess, super comfortable in fully explaining, I guess, what the details were, because I do want to give respect to the family as well. But it ended up, I think, being a contributory thing to the death of Devin. And my goal, at least with Trans Rally, is to prevent that transience and to empower people economically and to kind of create a quasi-union structure that's not tied to employment 
so that people can pool their resources and help each other whenever they're down. If you're watching here on YouTube, I will bring the website to the screen. To the people who are listening on the audio platforms, www.transrally, it's spelled T-R-A-N-S-R-A-L-L-Y dot org, O-R-G. If people go to this website, and I'm definitely telling people to do so, what are they going to find on this website? So what they'll find right now, at this point, they'll find is a website explaining essentially what will be there. So we have a Discord channel and we have a discourse forum. And the idea of Trans Rally is to, like you said earlier, you mentioned on the website, it has a little bit of a description. It's to provide community resources, a job board for institutions to hire directly, as well as advocacy in the long-term future. So the idea is we'll connect people who are transgender and people who are allies in quote unquote white collar work so that they'll be able to source talent from a diverse candidate pool. So Trans Rally is an organization that is a membership organization. It is $1 to join per month for people who are transgender, and it's $10 a month for people to join who are allies. In the future, there's going to be an institutional membership that would provide resources for employee resource groups and HR for corporations, for them to understand and learn best practices to how to deal with people who are transgender and how to treat them in the workplace and different things that they can do to structure their business to be supportive, as well as give the ability to post to jobs, essentially. So really the idea is it's a community-led organization. My goal, I guess, is to not really do podcasts in the future and that the community itself will expand the group. So that's currently what the goal is. So we're looking at, we have 31 members so far, and we launched on June 15th officially. So we're celebrating our third week of having launched. It's been a great support so far that I've discovered. Congratulations. It's yeah, never easy to start something, whether it's a job idea, something that could possibly transform a community in itself. It'd be remiss of me not to ask you more about the name of Trans Rally. As I made mention to you before we came onto the screen, somehow in my mind I thought it was Trans Ally. And then when I actually looked at everything closer, I realized that I was wrong. But please tell us more. Trans Rally. Yeah, thank you for asking. So the goal of the name was to include ally in it, that was one of the goals, which is great. I'm glad that you got that. So the trans rally, I can kind of explain it. Trans meaning transgender is kind of center of the organization's mission. Uh, rally can either be a verb or a noun. So you can rally together with other people and you can attend a rally. So the noun version is the community. So I do hope that it is a rally for people to join and to pool resources so that we can help ourselves. Trans also can mean to bridge. So like, for example, a transatlantic trip, it's bridging the Atlantic. So the idea is to bridge the communication gaps between the transgender community, the LGBTQ plus community, 
and the cisgender community as well, and the ally community. So really, the goal is to be a union, essentially, but through a little bit of a different structure than a traditional union. So what will success look like to you when everything has completely launched and word gets out there? What does success look like for Trans Rally? So what success looks like to me is, first off, personally, success looks like to me if even just one person who has no hope or no support network can find that support network and is able to find through Trans Rally or through somewhere else, but specifically Trans Rally in the community, job training or interview skills or any way that we can improve their financial life. This includes in the future, possibly direct financial assistance, like for example, bridge loans for short-term relocation if someone lives in an unsafe area, for example. Um, but essentially, if anyone can be helped, that would be success to me. But more in the long term, I guess, what success would look like is creating an alliance of individuals and similar to like a, a Costco model. And that Costco doesn't necessarily sell products. They sell the membership. And through that membership, those membership fees are reinvested into the organization to provide products and services at discounts or at cost to people. I think that that model is a genius. And I think that that's what I'm trying to do essentially is to create kind of a, a network of support for people who are transgender and allies. Well, let's show some of the other ways that people can find out more information about Trans Rally on all the social medias. Do you take a look at Trans Rally, type that into the search engines and then LinkedIn is where we found each other. This is the overlong website that's link found within LinkedIn. Uh, people here on YouTube are able to see the larger uh, one itself. If you're listening on the audio platforms, simply go into the search engine, type in Trans Rally, you will come to the company page, like it, find out more information about that. And I'll make sure that all of this information comes up later in this episode for sure. Devin, you mentioned the Costco model. These are all things that you learned within the financial world. This is where you are coming from. Mm -hmm. Why now? Why leave the financial world behind to jump headfirst into this? Yeah. I will say to preface, I look like a corporate soulless wasp individual, essentially, with my presentation currently. But I will say, I, I don't come from money. So this is not like, oh, millennial is $10 million net worth or something and retires. Like, this is me trying to, like, really do something. That and I'm put, putting my neck out there, too. So it's a little bit scary. But I went to the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. And I studied social work and I received a bachelor's of social work from the University of Missouri. Towards the end of my studies there, I determined that the field of social work at large was pretty exploitative, similar to teaching in the United States in that people are overworked and underpaid and underappreciated. 
And I did not want to have that for myself because I have personal family obligations that I have to take care of. And I want to be able to provide for my family. So I had a personal interest. I'm neurodivergent and one of my special interests is finance and investing. So I ended up getting a position as a financial aid counselor at a community college, worked there for about a year. And I studied my certified financial planner certificate in the United States, which allows people to become financial planners. And I didn't take the test, but I did complete the study work. And I leveraged that into a entry-level position at Merrill Edge, which is a subsidiary of Bank of America. And then from there, I used a platform for investing called M1 Finance before that. And it just so happened to be based out of Chicago. And I had moved to Chicago for that Merrill Edge job. And then I parlayed into M1 Finance as a sales representative. So I have some sales experience too, a little bit. And it's a great company, great workplace, nothing bad to say about it. It's just the world for those three reasons I mentioned earlier was screaming at me to do something. And I am comfortable enough to be able to make this leap due to the fact that personal finance and, and investing is one of my special interests. So I have about six to nine months of runway or so where I'm able to do this and focus on it full time before I have to go back into the industry and then work on this part time. Well, let's make sure that you don't have to go back into the industry. Let's make sure that this takes off. As mentioned, you are based in Chicago. I'm here in Canada and Yes, we are America's hat. We are <laughs> looking at the United States at times, shaking our heads, understanding fully that we have our own shit that we need to get together here at home. But we are gobsmacked with a lot of things that are taking place down in the States. You mentioned the politics politically with Roe v. Wade, don't say gay bills in Florida, Texas Republicans, the GOP, their platform now is very anti-gay. What is life like for a transgender individual like yourself living in the United States today? So I can only speak from personal experience. I am privileged in that I do have the ability to do something like this. And that personal finance just happened to be my special interest. It could have been birds <laughs> or something that like doesn't like quite have as good of an impact to somebody's financial life at least. In the United States, money talks. And the unfortunate reality is people who generally to be wealthy and to have options, you have to crack eggs and you have to step on people, unfortunately, which sort of self-selects for people who do that. And those people have wealth. And so people who have big hearts a lot of times don't get ahead and have the impact that they could due to the importance of money because we don't have universal health care here as an example and i'm lucky enough to be married and my wife works and has health insurance otherwise i would not have health insurance with this endeavor so living as a trans person from my perspective I personally have not experienced a lot of negative reactions due to the fact that I live in such a liberal area in Chicago. But I do have friends who live in Oklahoma, as well as Dev, Dev McGee, the, the person who kind of inspired this. And Dev's mother told me how, 
you know, she knows people who have been disowned and homeless, and there's no social support at all, because it's more likely that someone is to be homeless in a state that is unaccepting, and states that are unaccepting have worse social services usually. And she even mentioned the fact that there is a person who runs a place called The Sanctuary in Liberty, Tennessee. It's a place called Short Mountain, where they run a distillery and they essentially plug people who are queer and homeless and disowned from around the area into work and to get jobs as kind of a, a co-op, essentially. So stuff like that needs to exist because the services that are provided and the rights that are provided are just not present in the United States. Just so everybody knows, especially who are from the United States and may not know a lot about Canada when it comes to the rainbow community and what people are going through here, in the city that I live in, Edmonton, which is the Chicago of the North, we have a homeless issue. Studies have shown that approximately 43 to 44% of unhoused youths in the city of Edmonton, city of over a million people, that 43 to 44% identify as being part of the rainbow community. So that's a very high rate considering the population that we have as far as the rainbow community. We have issues here, even though there are workplace situations where you're not allowed to discriminate. You have job rights, universal health care, as you made mention of. Those issues exist here as well. We may do a better job of hiding things. And I put quotation marks around this as well. So it's not just the United States, it's here in Canada as well. It's a universal issue. Your personal story, you have decided to be your authentic self. I would imagine you did not wake up in April of this year and went, huh, I'm going to do this today. Yeah. Tell us more about your journey and who is Devin Grayson when it comes to this personal journey of identity? Yeah. So I grew up in Oklahoma and I moved to Missouri for high school in Columbia, Missouri, and then went to college there, University of Missouri. I have identified as bisexual since I was about 12 and so I've been a part of the queer community for a while. And I guess the United States queer community is fine. So I apologize, I guess, if I should say rainbow community. But so I've identified with the rainbow community for about 14 years. And it's only in the last year that I've really started to explore my gender identity and presentation. So there were a few things that I've noticed in the past, looking back, where I was like, huh, kind of makes you think. I remember I was a meter maid for the University of Missouri, for example, and I had no feminine presentation at all. But somebody came up behind me and, like, just to ask a question and was like, excuse me, ma'am? And then, like, poke my shoulder. And the fact that I still remember that and the fact that I kind of, like, had some, like, joy from that, I'm like, okay, people who are cis probably don't feel that way. 
And there's also this amazing Reddit community called egg IRL, egg underscore IRL. And so in the trans community, there is a term egg and your egg is cracked. So an egg is somebody who is transgender and just hasn't realized it yet. And there's that subreddit and the memes there were so relatable. And I'm just like, wow, okay, people who are cis don't really feel this way. <laughs> I think the thing that really, I guess, made me question things is there is this meme that said something like, if you offer a pill to men to say, if you take this pill, you'll turn into a woman. And most men would physically recoil at that and be like, get the hell away from me, get away from me. But I was like, that's not like a bad thing to me. And the fact that I had such a different reaction from I feel most men, cis men, I was like, okay, well, there's something here probably. <laughs> and so I essentially decided, okay, I'm not cis around that time, I guess. And for me, at least, how I kind of classify it for myself, at least, is if I were to rate it from a scale of one to five, one being extremely masculine, think like Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone like that, and then five is extremely feminine, I probably inside feel more on, say, three and a half or four. So I'm on the non-binary spectrum, I guess. I'm not transitioning to a binary woman, but I am transitioning to a more feminine appearance. But ask again in six months. There might be a different answer. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that in a way that it's fluid, ever-changing. I made mention of this on the podcast a few times that 10 years ago, I knew approximately two people who identified as being transgender. Five years ago, that's now five or six people. Today, I can't count the number of people I know in my life who are part of the trans community. And so I'm curious with this, and this is my naive self asking this. Mm -hmm. What has happened in the last five years where people are gaining the strength to be themselves to open themselves up to judgment, ridicule, all those negatives, but moving towards their authentic self and living their true life and being open. Is there something that's happened in the last five years where this is taking place and it's not the water supply, there wasn't anything added to the water supply or anything like that, yeah, um, you know? For sure. but what has happened? In my opinion, I haven't put a lot of thought into this, but my first impression is I could see three reasons why. The first reason is the rise of Gen Z and the rise of millennials as a dominant social group within the United States and around the world, at least the Western world, in that there's a lot more acceptance for things like same-sex marriage and different social issues that are on the left side. So there's more acceptance, thus more presentation. Also the decline of, I guess, they still hold an extreme amount of political power, but the baby boomers. So that as well, kind of the same thing, but also the rise of social media too. So people are able to connect real time even better than they were five, six, seven years ago even, um, because you really just had Facebook and Twitter at that time. 
And then I think, honestly, and this is kind of a weird take, but sort of nihilism as well, mm-hmm. in that people just don't care because there's so much crap going on in the world. Like, do I really have to hide who I really am too? So kind of a screw you, this is who I am, deal with it. I think those three things concurrently running together, in my opinion. Because, I mean, the world's ending, essentially, with climate change. So it's like, do I really want to spend my life living an authentic life, essentially? Well, and politically, with all the bills that are now taking place at the state level in the United States, why hide? Why hide anymore? Because hiding isn't going to do anything. Of course, one can say that from a source of privilege, with myself being a cis white male, having economic power, having social power in itself. But it's like, if you're going to be kicked, well, at least know the face of the person that you're going to kick. And I'm going to bring all my allies with me to make sure that they pick me up and we go into battle with each other. And I see a lot of that taking place in the United States. And that gives me hope, even Though what you said about 2025, it's so true. If the Republicans do get into power or if they don't, it's going to be a terrible, terrible transition to this new reality. It's just going to be gross. Let's not give those old white Republicans much focus, though, because they get a lot of focus. Part of the words for trans rally, part of that is the ally section of it. What does it mean to be a good, solid, effective ally for the trans community? So as an ambassador to all transgender people, I'm just joking. There's a decoder ring in the mail as well as one of those little <laughs> membership cards. sorry let me plug the trans agenda no i think honestly being an ally really just comes down to the idea of intent versus impact and this usually is in relation to prejudice and things that people say that hurt people so sometimes people may say things that hurt people without intending to hurt people but it has an impact that's a negative impact I kind of think along the same terms with regards to allyship as well, in that there's an intent versus impact. I think that true allyship has to have an impact that's measurable, even if it's just one person who you help. I think that there is, I guess, a feeling sometimes that saying things and speaking up is allyship. And I agree with that in some cases. Like, for example, if you are in a boardroom meeting or something and you speak up for a voice that's not there, that's good. But I think that if you have followers who all agree with you and you say something and then everyone likes that thing, then it's not really doing a whole lot, essentially, because you're kind of preaching to the choir. So I would say anything that has tangible impact is allyship, in my opinion. And I'm also of the opinion, too, that with regards to allyship, I don't think that perfection should be expected. I think that, for example, in my situation, and and this is just my opinion, I guess, with regards to my pronouns, for example, if, you know, whenever I start to present more feminine, I want to go by they, she, 
and I'm like looking like a man like that day or something, or I look very masculine and someone misgenders me, but it's coming from a place of love or something, or if my grandma accidentally misgenders me, but I know she loves me, that to me is less of an issue because it's coming from a place of love, I guess. Same thing with allyship in that I think if someone donates like $50 a month or something to some organization that has direct impact, that person should be given some grace if they make a mistake. Because honestly, I think that pragmatism sometimes is missing out of the equation. Because honestly, at the end of the day, at least in the States, and I think that what happens in the United States kind of trickles down to other places, fortunately or unfortunately in the Western world, we're at war and we're at risk of losing all of our rights and in some places our lives. This has been happening in developing countries, for example, where, you know, same-sex relations, for example, is punishable by death in some areas and also in the BIPOC trans community and the BIPOC community just at large too, this has been happening for decades as well. And I think that we don't really talk about that enough as well. And so I also want to plug, if I can, an organization that I discovered on, it was, I think it was LinkedIn called Black Trans Lives Thrive. And it's blacktranslivesthrive.org. And it is a giving circle organization that donates directly to BIPOC trans nonprofits. So it's 25 bucks a month. That's an example of a way that somebody can have a direct impact. That's easy. And that's impactful rather than spending 30 minutes making a social media post that people can like, but that doesn't really have a lot of tangible impact in my opinion. So let's just bring that forward again for everybody. Black Trans Lives Thrive. It is an organization. You found information on LinkedIn. We'll definitely make sure that specific sites and information goes out. When we're promoting this episode with you, we'll make sure that people have direct links to be able to support as well. Thank you for bringing this to our attention here as well, because it's very, very, very important. We have seen what's happened. And I go back to the United States because that's where we have a lot of the numbers coming from the disproportionate number of lives in the transgender black community when it comes to being murdered over 300 lives last year alone. The number is well on its way to surpassing here in 2022. A society issue that we need to be focused on, the whys, what's happening. And as you mentioned, it is a war, it is a fight. And we're seeing that take place more and more and more. And we feel helpless up here looking at what's happening down in the United States. Roe v. Wade being overturned, just horrifying that that's what's happened. And now it's on a state level. So people are, depending on the state that you live in, have rights or you don't have rights. And it's now going to take place within other communities as well, because Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court has said exactly well, next it's going to be contraception. Next it's going to be same-sex marriage, et cetera, et cetera. The rights are given and it seems that rights are taken away. Absolutely I, frustrating. I tell you what, though, that conversation that I had yesterday gave me a lot of hope. Why is that? Like I mentioned, 
Dev's Dev's mother, who who, who Dev McGee, the person who I guess kind of inspired me to to do this. I came into contact with them. I was poking around for more information regarding the circumstances of their death, assuming that their family living in southern rural Georgia was not very accepting and that that led to Dev taking their own life rather than it being an accident. And I spoke to their mother yesterday and she spoke so much about Dev. She really, really, really loved them. And she mentioned the fact that she and Dev had gone to a trans rights parade in 2018 and met Dev's friends in the LGBTQ community and that they were so supportive and that, you know, all of the support that has been there for Dev after Dev passed away. And honestly, I like this is kind of it underlines the fact to me there are good people in places that you wouldn't expect. So I think that really it's possible and you know there is that 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 term I guess I think that Martin Luther King Jr. said that the arc of moral justice is long, but it bends toward justice. There are people trying to bend it back towards injustice, but I think that we need to fight like hell to reach the good people that I guess don't know if there's hope. I think that we need to reach out to those people and we need to build that hope. We need to do the work. I think that personally, I have an issue sometimes with politics in that I think that people believe they can vote and they can vote every two years and then just check out or even worse, vote every four years in the United States and check out and then lose the midterms. And that it's the Democrats' responsibility to do the work. I think that personally voting is the bare minimum and that honestly, society and social institutions outside of the government need to pressure the government and that we need to do the work outside and we need to create organizations like what I'm hoping to create. If it's successful, hopefully it is. If it's not, that's fine too because there's a lot of great organizations, but we need to try and we can't just unplug every two to four years and then expect everything to work out because these people who are against us have been fighting for decades and they've been fighting with a religious zealotry, quite literally. And they've been fighting since the eighties and now they're winning some battles. So we need to fight back and we can't just vote and rely on politicians to do everything for us. Amen on that. This goes into the other thing about the United States as well it's always political season in the United States. There seems to be some election every week. It's hard to keep up at times, but definitely one has to be aware of what's taking place because things do switch. It might be overnight, it might be decades in the making, but it does take place. I'm struck, Devin, you know, with everything 
you come across as someone who is very hopeful, someone who has the grace to be able to step back and hold space for people. Has this always been you? Or has this been something that you've discovered about yourself recently? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't really know, honestly. <laughs> I just try to, I guess, be myself. I think that the fact that I'm neurodivergent, so I am, I think, diagnosed-ish. It's kind of a long story with autism. And I think that that comes with some empathy, but also it's kind of a superpower if you can use it that way too, because for example, we connected via LinkedIn and I was just reaching out to as many people as I could because social norms be damned, you know, and if you can use it in a way like that, I think it's a powerful tool because, you know, I am socially awkward, but now I'm like using it for good, <laughs> or I'm trying to be. And there's the idea of you'll never get anything if you don't ask. So you need to be willing to ask for things as well. Greta Thunberg is a bit of a, an inspiration to me too. Let's bring back to the screen your organization, transrally.org. Trans, T-R-A-N-S, rally, R-A-L-L-Y, dot org. If people are tuning now at the end of this podcast, for some reason, briefly remind everybody, what can people find here on transrally.org? Yeah, so transrally.org, you'll be able to find information about the organization. Essentially, it's a professional networking organization for people who are transgender, as well as allies of those. And the idea, in the short term at least, is to connect people with better paying jobs through specific job referrals if someone works at a company or interview skills training, you know, job training if there's like an online job type, like for example, copywriting, kind of some guides to that maybe as an example, and also interview skills and resume advice too. So that's the short term. Medium term, probably direct financial aid to people as kind of an accelerator for small businesses, possibly if people have ideas for that or if someone needs funds to move out of a dangerous location to a better one, that kind of thing, um, as well as possibly doing a community radio, don't really quite know just yet. And then the long-term, if it's financially successful to fund allied nonprofits or organizations, because I don't think that right now, trans rally is focused on the entire trans community as well as allies. But for example, that Black Trans Lives Thrive group or specific groups for reproductive rights, I think that it's important that not one, like one group doesn't try to do everything because you need to have experts in certain things. Like we're not going to do legal stuff, for example, because it's not really our expertise and it just costs so much money to learn all that stuff. But we'll refer to people who can do that. Like there's legal defense funds, that kind of thing. On social media, Facebook, Instagram, what other places can people find Trans Rally? Yeah, so we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter, we have a Facebook page. I would say you can go to transrally.org, and I believe we have links on the bottom of the page. So definitely type in Trans Rally in the search engines, find out more. 
You can also go to LinkedIn where Devin and I found each other. It is a company page. Type in Trans Rally. You'll find this longer link there as well. So today, Devin, we've been able to talk a little bit about yourself and this journey that you're on. We've definitely been able to talk about Trans Rally. There's two remaining questions that I have for you. Not difficult questions at all, but I may have to blur her out in the background if she does not want to be seen on screen. But we did catch a <laughs> glimpse of your wife in the background. Yeah, uh, Let's give her props. Can you tell us more about her? Yes. So her name is Ella Grayson Shirk. You can follow her at Ella Carlton Creative on Instagram. And she has done the entire branding for everything. She is amazing. And if you look at the website, it's really professional looking and it looks great. So I owe her everything for the branding. And she's just really great. She's a graphic designer. She graduated, I believe, in 2018, I think, with a degree in strategic communication with a uh, focus on graphic design. She's great. And I owe her everything. It's interesting because I am so uncreative. Like I can't produce content. I'm real. Like my creativity comes from like stuff like business plans, and and that kind of thing. And like ideas that are abstract. But she can really help create an image for people to see. She's very good at that. And I'm really thankful so, for her. So did you put a ring on her finger because she's creative? Is that <laughs> like, I need that part. You know, what What caused you to think that she was the one? Yeah. So I would say her kindness, really. So funnily enough, we actually met through a blind date. I worked at a cookie delivery shop called Hotbox Cookies out of Columbia, Missouri. And I believe the old logo of Hotbox Cookies was a delivery van with smoke coming out of it. So that's the kind of organization. The really good cookies, the best cookies I've ever had, and I really recommend. If anyone's ever in the central Missouri area for some reason, Hotbox Cookies is great. But I had a coworker named Rachel, who we're still friends with. She was actually the officiant at our wedding. And she literally was just like, Hi, are you interested in going on a blind date? This is Ella. She likes pun she makes puns and has a cat. And she literally said the same thing about me to Ella. And we were just like, okay, sure, why not? Met at a pizza place, and we basically interviewed each other almost. Kind of getting all those red flag things out of the way. Like, are you a feminist? Like, that kind of stuff. Because we're like, why not just know these big picture questions first? Story checked out, and we liked each other. We liked the, the energy. And just grew from there. We also have siblings that have developmental disabilities too. So we have similar situations in our lives as well that we were able to bond over with regards to family dynamics with that. So congratulations. I hate the idea of, oh, you found your other half because you're your own complete full person. Mm -hmm. So it, congratulations on finding that partner to walk through life with. That's exactly. really important. And one of the things that I've loved with Trans Rally and how it's been successful, people have been saying, model power couple. <laughs> no, but I, I really do think it's one plus one equals two for a relationship instead of 0. 0.5 plus 0. 0.5 equals one. Because you can't lose yourself. You have to be yourself. 
just grow with the other person too. Here on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, we are also giving excellent relationship advice. <laughs> now subscribe. And subscribe, yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Holm, one of my closest friends in the world, always gets on my case about never telling people to hit the subscribe button. So for plug. you, Dwayne, for everybody, do so. <laughs> The age of 15 was an important year for myself. My only sister was born, but it also was the age when I fully realized that I was gay and my life was going to be very different from those friends who surrounded me in small town Alberta. This is a question I end all my interviews with. Devin, if you were able to go back in time and sit beside the 15-year-old Devin, what would you say to them? So this is not going to be a satisfactory answer, probably. I had a long addiction to a game called RuneScape, and I would say don't play RuneScape. <laughs> because, I mean, to me at least, like, and this is just showing the privilege that I have, that I'm able to do this. For me, people are a cake, right? And to me, my identity as a trans person, my identity in the queer community is, is an ingredient in that cake that makes up me rather than, oh, I'm an egg, you know, like, or even though I mentioned it earlier with egg, egg IRL, you know, I think that it's important to like find community in the queer community, for example, because there's strength in numbers and you're able to work towards a common goal. But I think that you shouldn't label and reduce yourself to one aspect of your life because you're a rainbow. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. Yes, we all are. Absolutely. Devin, not only do you have a fantastic Hollywood name, you are an excellent person to have a conversation with. And so I'm very pleased, proud to have had this conversation. And I hope we'll continue this conversation well into the future. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been great too. This is great. Yes. <laughs> Press subscribe. Once again, for listening to this episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, check out some others. Again, every week we become smitten with yet another person. We learn more about ourselves. These are their stories. These are our stories. We just need to make sure that we always tell them. Until next time, everyone, my name is Douglas Parsons. My guest today has been Devin Grayson. Until next time. Reminder for you to be good and always text when you get home. Bye, everybody. <laughs>